Let me see you put them up. Reach the sky, touch the stars up above, cause it's one time for the underdog. One time for the underdog. Look, if you want to build a big business, you got to learn how to recruit, period. That's it. You got to learn how to recruit. And the way you learn how to recruit isn't just from, hey, how do I learn how to recruit from business people? You go and find the greatest recruiters in the world and see what are some of their tactics and strategies they've used. And today, my sit down may be with one of the greatest recruiters of all time in college basketball, John Calipari, breaks down a ton of different entertaining stories as well as strategies he used to recruit talent. You got a lot of places you can be, man. Thank you for taking the time for coming out here and spending time with us really we're can, can i just here. say this as i walk in patrick and we met this morning uh people helping people and i wanted to hear his story and the story of this room this is about living the american dream it's about having an opportunity to do things for your family we we were just talking about you know my thing was i just want to take care of my mother then it's, okay, what's moving you? What is it? What's driving you? What doors are in the way? What's slowing you down? What's trying to hold you back? But having a group like this that's like, let's go for this. Every one of you, let's go for it. And, and let's live this dream like everyone else. And let's have the opportunity. It's great. When I walk in and I see all these young people just starting out with life, I'm a little older than you guys. It's a great, I, I love it, being around 17, 18, 19-year-olds, walking in a home that I look around and I say, if we do right, it's not going to be like this long. To see what they do for their mothers and their families, the first thing they do is take, I had a call from, you talked about DeMarcus Cousins, if you don't mind me. No, no, go lead the way, go ahead. DeMarcus Cousins, how many of you know him? Guy, he's crazy, okay? But let me say this. He would give a kidney for me. He was my wife's favorite player. My wife. I would get all over him, and I'd walk in the house, and she'd say, quit yelling at DeMarcus. And I would say, what are you talking about? You're yelling at him all the time. I said, are you watching? Are you watching what he's doing? She says, well, no one else does anything. Yell at somebody else. You're always yelling at him. When he was drafted, his mother called me two weeks later, and she was crying. And I said, Miss Cuz, what, what happened? Because his grandmother was getting older, I thought something happened. No, everything's good. I'm, I'm, I'm in my new home, um, and, and you know, I, I, the furniture coach, I'm just looking, and you're, you're in your new home? Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's unbelievable. And I'm looking at the ninth green. You're on a golf course? Yes, I'm on a golf course, and it's, you know, three-car garage. And it go I said, wait a minute, do you play golf? <laughs> no, I don't play golf. Well, why would you be on a golf? Because I can! <laughs> and that is a true story. My day when I see these kids make it, 70% of the kids that I've coached at Kentucky get drafted. 70%. When, when I see their families, you're going to understand this, breathe. 
for the first time because they have enough, they don't have to worry anymore. That's a great feeling for me. My grandparents, I know Patrick's story. My grandparents came through Ellis Island, did not speak English. My parents are high school educated. My mother worked at the cafeteria in the school that I went to. So I saw her every day in her white uniform selling ice cream. My sisters and I, the goal for my family was my parents, their children are going to be college educated. All three of us are college educated because of our families who worked to make a better life for us. Guess what? My oldest daughter is Dr. Calipari, the first doctor. That's how this is supposed to work. Nice. And that's how it's supposed to work for you. What I love about this, because I asked the question, give me the age, give me the, the I want to know. And then, you know, 33, I'm like, well, how many of them have kids? Because basically what you're doing in this, this isn't just 4,000 of you. This is going to be multiplying. And, and, and I'll just say this, and, and I don't mean to make this a talk. All of you here, you're so young. I'm jealous. You're so young. You've got to have a why at some point. Because it's not going to be how much money you can gather. It's not going to be how many toys, cars, houses. At some point, it's got to be a why. I just heard a why. I had to take care of my mother. I just wanted to make $2,500 a month so that I could give that to my mother. I've heard that. But then it comes back to, you get to that. Some of you in this room are going to be so special, but it's not because of what you made. It's how many people you've helped. Your why, you got to come up with, what is my why? When I make it big, not if I make it big, I, heard, I hope you heard me. When I make it big, what is my why? What do I want to be doing with my life? You know what? Write it down. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Look to that. When I make it, what do I want to be about? How do I want to be perceived? Just a gatherer or maybe a gatherer of people? How many people can I help? Just one thing, because I see many of you taking notes. Some people climb that ladder of success that you're on. Patrick climbed it. Some people climb that ladder, they turn around and they pick up the ladder. Special people who have a why climb that same ladder of success, and they turn around and pick up the next person and the next person and the next person, and that's what you should be about. The next time Patrick asked me to come here, there should be 8,000 people in this room, not 4,000 people in this room. You want to play for me now? There you go. <laughs> we got some guys that are 6'6". They should be looking out for and talking to. So, so you know, what I want to know is this. I mean, obviously, now you're at Kentucky, right? I mean, everybody wants to play for you. Everybody wants to play for you. Not everybody. But, 99% of players will it's like not, to- what, what I do is not for everybody. Can I tell you what you do is not for everybody? It is not, or they'd be in this room too. So most players want to play if, for you. Not if, everybody. If they want to be coached hard. They have to it, be challenged. They right? have to be challenged. You know, they want to play for somebody like you. One of the things you said in your book is you said, I like people that want to be coached by me. If they want to, that's a whole different thing. What I want to know about 
is now your coach, you know, Calipari, you're doing what you're doing. But take us back. I mean, how did this start when you were in high school coming out? You're playing ball. You know, you start off assistant Kansas, Pitt, some of this stuff, and then UMass. But tell me about high school part. Well, again, my through basketball, I learned self-discipline. I learned self-confidence. Um, I became a gym rat. So I had a grind to do what you're doing, folks, you have to have a grind. How many times do you have to be willing to hear no and it not affect you? What? What? And you can't walk out of the room with your head and no. You're going to hear no a thousand times more than you're hearing yes. That's part of what we all do. For me, I just didn't want to be in my dad's basement. I, I needed to figure out what I wanted to do. And as I got into playing, I wanted to coach. But I didn't know what it meant. See, I thought it was X and O's. I started at UMass, tried to build a program. X and O's, coach basketball, drills. As I get older, it's about helping families. And if I help them, they fight like hell for me. You watch the games and you say, why do his guys play so hard? How about this one? That kid could have gone anywhere in the country and talk, took 30 shots a game. But he goes with him, and he shoots 12 shots a game. Because they know me and my staff are about them. We're going to love on them. They need to learn to love on each other. We're going to be there for you. You got to be there for each other. If someone's really doing well, you got to teach the others. If someone is struggling and you see it, you pick them up. Do you guys know what servant leadership is? The whole goal for every one of you in this room to, should be be a servant leader. I want to teach every one of my players to lead, be a servant leader. When they come to me at 17 and everything they had as a high school player was given to them, they were the best, they were this, they were stroked, they were told, they were, then they come with me and I got to be the first guy to say no. I got to be the first guy to say, you won't believe this. This world's not about you. At what point do you say that to them? How early on do you say that? Is it pretty early once they get to you? Well, obviously after they're committed to the program and, and <laughs> sit down and say. Well, here, here, my, my, what I do in recruiting is a little different. I like what you and I talked about where I'm going to, my handshake, you ready? My handshake is not like that. My handshake is like that. I'm not to, my, my, the relationship isn't to take, it's to give. And so if I can create trust, and it's hard when you walk in a room and you're trying to create trust in the first two minutes, you better listen instead of talk. You better, when I go in to recruit, I'm asking questions. Like, you know, tell me where you want to be in five years. What do you want to get from this game? What kind of coach do you want to play for? How do you want to play? Did a, you know, I asked, do you guys remember Marcus Camby? 6'11". He was 6'3", guard, and grew to 6'11". Anthony Camby. Davis did the same thing. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Anthony Davis went 6'3". I got to coach both of those guys. When I recruited Marcus... He told me, uh, I said, what position do you want to play? Before you tell them, you, what, what are you looking for? How can I help you? What can I do? 
I want to be a shooting guard. You're 6'11". You want to be a shooting guard. Okay. I'm not going to lie. You got to be honest. You got to tell the truth. So I told him, okay, you could be a shooting guard. And I said to him, you do know we post up our shooting guards a lot, right? We kind of put them near the basket. All you young people out there, did you, under, did you get that one? But here's what I tell them. If you're going to drink, smoke, club, or chase, you ain't coming with us because you're not going to school for the right reasons. If you want that, go somewhere else. Because if you get in trouble with me, many of you don't. Raise your hand. Make me humble again. Raise your hand that you never heard of me before. Raise your hand. Put your hands down. I was teasing. But if you do something on my campus, they're going to do a movie about it. (laughs) It's going to be on the ticker on ESPN and CNN for three straight days. If it happens on another campus, they're not going to worry about it. It happens you cannot come drinking, smoking, clubbing, chasing. You have to understand. We have to sit down and say, you have to come here for, it's not for everybody. You ready? Are you ready to share? You're going to go in your office and close the door and be about you? I don't think you can be in people helping people. I don't believe so. Well, you can't be on my team if you're about yourself. Can't be on this team. You know why? We're all trying to eat. Everybody's trying to eat. It's not one guy trying to eat. We're all trying to eat. So you say to me, how did you get five guys drafted in the first round in one season? Never been done before. How did you get the one? You bet. Raise your hand if you've never heard of me before. Raise your hand again. All right, you better Google this shit and read it after I leave. How in the world? Competitive, I slightly. How in the world did you get the number one and the number two pick in a draft in the same year? It's never been done before. How did you get four lottery picks three different times? How did you get four number one picks? John Wall, Derrick Rose, Anthony Davis, Carl Towns. How? Because they shared. They shared. You ready for this? Carl Towns took the fifth most shots on my team. My team and was the number one pick. Shots and minutes don't matter. Pat Riley said the best thing about your guys, they're great teammates. Wouldn't you want that to be one of the things that was said about you? When you're gone and someone's up there talking about you and they say he was one of the great teammates, you know how many people he helped, how good he made people feel? Can I ask you this question? How about all of us in the room? Just try to make one person a day feel special. It's hard when you're thinking of yourself all day. It's hard when you're dreaming about yourself at night. It's hard when you're looking in the mirror at yourself all day to say, I'm going to make this about somebody else. One time a day, it'll take you about a minute. If I have time, coach, I'll think about that. How about this one? Anybody in here write personal notes anymore? Raise your hand if you write a personal note. Yeah, about eight of you. Okay. Now, do yourself a favor. One day a week, spend time, have your personal card, and hand write a note. 
If you send me a letter, I handwrite a card back. I've done it my whole career. And you know what? I still get, I got the owner of the Washington Wizards called me and said at a meeting, he showed it and told people, who does this anymore? You want to stand out? Write some personal notes. Spend one day. You cannot create a relate. I love what my man said about getting in the field. Getting in the field. It's the same thing. Get in the field. You want to get in the field, you got to create a relationship. Guess what? Hard to do through emails and text. You better have face-to-face, and you better handwrite some notes. And if you handwrite some notes, yours is going to be the only one on the desk. There's no one does it anymore. Anyway, what were we talking about? This is exactly what we're talking about. So, but, but let's get to a whole different thing, though. Just the recruiting part. So you see everybody. Everybody's trying to recruit some of these talents that are coming up. Maybe not everybody, but there are certain people that people want to pick up. What would you say makes for a great recruiter of talent? Because, you know, you say there's a guy that everybody wants. I don't sometimes go after that guy. I go after this guy. He's got desire, all this other stuff. One, what do you look for? But two, what makes a great recruiter a great recruiter? It- the biggest thing, we were just talking about recruiting young people here and their results. How many success stories of guys that came in here at 22, 23, 24, how many success stories can you guys do a book on where another 23-year-old can see we're not just talking here, there's results. Now, we can't do it for you. Did you guys there's, no, there's no magic wand But the opportunity obviously is here because for these 170 who are now making a million dollars a year, they started like you. But they decided when a door was closed, they opened up another. When they were pushed back, they tried. So part of recruiting for me, you have to, again, I'm going to use the term, I undersell and I over-deliver. And then the people that played for me now become ambassadors for me and they sell and even if they don't speak powerful their actions and what they're accomplishing speaks for me current contracts in the nba current are 1.2 billion it might be a little bit more i may be off at you know 100 million something like that but he didn't tell you that doesn't include their endorsements or their shoe contracts or any other things that they do, or the money that they use from there that they invested in to make more money, in six years, my guess would be $3 billion of earned incomes. Not shoe contracts, all that stuff. My goal would be, before I retire from this game, I want 12 guys in the NBA All-Star game out of 24. I want a coached. I want to be able to say I coached half the guys in the All-Star game. What? So when you asked me about what, when early on when I was at UMass, you in this room, I was like you. You're not outworking me. You can beat on me. You can say what you want, but I'm coming one step. And every time you swing, I come one more step to you. You can say what you want about me. You're not affecting me. I'm moving forward. I have nowhere to go. I cannot go to my dad's basement. My dad is a laborer and told me, go in the Marines. You're not staying here. 
I had nowhere to go. But here's what I would say. All of that energy and all of that that you're going to bring, please remember this day. It'll start shifting to your why. And when your life becomes more about other people than yourself, please listen, life becomes easier. You become happier. It becomes a downhill run. And you know what? Every day they see you, you've got a smile on your face. Right now, you're fighting like hell to survive. I've been there. I had, to sw- I had people come after me, say stuff that wasn't true, and I could wallow in it. Then they won. They were not winning. No. Say what you want. I'm moving forward. If you're about other people and you're doing right, that stuff runs off your back like rainwater. And let me say this. Some of you in this room are going to really start moving. And you're going to think everybody's happy for you. They ain't happy for you. But you know what? You keep smiling. I said today to Patrick, because he's read some stuff he kind of knows. I like to poke the bear at times. Can't help myself. But what I, I learned when I was about 30, 35, if someone is obsessed, please listen. Write this one. If you're obsessed with anything, you lose. You're going to lose. So my thought was, it could be obsessed with money. It could be obsessed with things you, you really don't need. Some things in your life that you know you shouldn't be living a certain way. You're obsessed. If you're obsessed with anything, if you don't have that balance you need, you lose. So then I said, well, does that mean if someone is obsessed with me, they lose? Yeah. So I poke the bear every once in a while, which I don't, there are things I do. I'm flawed in many ways, so you don't want to do all the things I do. But my whole point is, let them be obsessed with me. I am not obsessed with anything. I'm happy for anybody's success. I know where I came from. I know where my grandparents came from. My grandfather started in the coal mines where the Italians went when they came to this country. Died a black lung at age 58. Because he was in the coal, his brother was crushed in the coal mines and died. But they came over to give their family a better shot. And you know what? I never forget that as I go forward and I remind my own children. My son plays for me now. He's on my team. There's a big problem. It is great. I love it because my older girls got cheated. I got two daughters and a son. They got cheated because my oldest daughter, I was so into what I was doing, missed a lot of stuff, stuff that I didn't need to miss, that I regret that I missed. I apologize to her to this day. My middle daughter, I was a little bit better. My son is with me. The problem is I sleep with his mother. That means when he doesn't play enough, do you understand? I got to walk in and see that. Last thing I want to tell you about recruiting. There's always a decision maker when you sit down, especially when you sit down with the family. If you don't know who that decision maker is, you're wasting your time. Somebody could be telling you all the right things and the other person sitting there staring and you don't understand that is the decision maker. You're talking to the wrong person. When I go in to recruit, 
Who do you think the decision maker is? Who? Ladies know. You ladies know. Fathers, I don't spend a minute with the father. I'll even take the mom to another room. Let's go over here and talk. Yeah, yeah. Tell the dad, can you get me some water or something, please? Who is that decision maker? And then let me tell you. Tell the truth. Don't lie. Don't embellish. Don't make it better than it is. Because when you're talking to a mother, I'm not talking to one mother. I'm talking to 15 mothers a year. Do they ever forget anything? Oh, my gosh. They can remember where they were sitting, what was in front of them, what you said, how you said it. Don't say that shit. You told me. Tell the truth. If you don't lie, you don't have to worry about it. If you lie, you forget what you lied about. Then you got to lie some more. You got, you got a story to tell us? Tell us, tell us, a, tell us a recruiting story. Um, give, give us one of them. Give us a recruiting story. Well, I walk in to a home, and, um, and I, I'm at UMass at the time, and the kid kind of was disrespectful to his mother. So I kind of caught it, but I wasn't sure. I thought maybe I didn't see it right. And then he was disrespectful again. And I looked, was right in front of me to his mother. Folks, I got up and left. I literally said, you know what? This has really been good. You know, our plane is leaving and, and I got to get back. So we're going to come back and do this. And then I killed my assistant outside the door. What the hell are you doing? You didn't know this kid was like this? Why are you wasting my time? He's not going to be on my team. If he doesn't respect his mom, he ain't respecting anybody. He ain't respecting me. Let me, let me say this, because there's a bunch of good people in this room. A friend of mine gave me this advice, and, I, and I, before I took the job at UMass, and that story reminds me of this advice. Write this down, please. You can have a bad deal with good people. Shit happens. But you can never have a good deal with bad people. Never. If you walk in a room and you recognize these are not good people, get up and leave. Doesn't matter how much they're talking. Doesn't matter what it smells like. It doesn't matter what your future... There is no future with bad people. If I think a kid is a bad kid or his family is or they're asking for stuff, I'm out. This is about me helping your son, me doing everything I can for your son, but he's going to have to share. He's going to have to grow up. Do you know what NBA stands for? No, no, no. No boys allowed. You better be a man if you want to go in that league. And if it takes you a year to become a man or two years or three years, you better be a man. No boys allowed. You're in a business. You're going to get eaten up if you're a boy. You better be a man. You better be a grown woman. This isn't for the soft of heart. This is, we're in a dog fight. Listen, there's one bone that's being thrown in that pen, and there are 12 of you in there. Somebody's eating. 
Somebody's not eating. I know this. I was eating. <laughs> so here's another question for you. <clears throat> Let's transition to coaching. One of the things you talk about in your book is you've, you don't mispractice. So it doesn't matter what it is, if, if you're on the road, if you are doing what you're doing. We have trainings twice a week, so that's kind of our practice that we have as well. Tell me about some of the commitments you made on coaching different kids that you've developed them into leaders. What are some things you think about that makes for a good coach? Well, the, the stuff about being there, if you're not there, present, and then you have to be present. You ready? How many of you are there, and you had the phone, and you're emailing? You're not there. You're not present. Turn the phone. How about if we have no phone Friday? That's when we're writing letters. No, coach. I'll go crazy. I have my phone, and look. You got to be present. You got to be there. You got, I love the enthusiasm in this room. It better not end when you're in this room and you walk out. This is better be what you are because if this is what you are, you're going to have success. As long as you look after each other, if someone's struggling, pick them up. If someone's really doing well, you are responsible to teach everyone else. That's being a servant leader. Can I, can I give you this? I want to know... This thing will quadruple. We'll have 16,000 if we have guys and ladies in this room like this. You ready? Have you heard of Michael Kidd Gilchrist? Have you heard of him? Plays for the Charlotte in the NBA. He was the number two pick in the draft. Played for me. He was 17 years old when he played for me. He started with two, two other freshmen. It was the year we won the national title. We're in the championship game of our conference tournament, which means after this game, we have six games to win the national title. No one has ever done it with freshmen. They said we couldn't do it. You'll never do it. You can't do this. What he's doing, he doesn't care about winning. He doesn't care about basketball. He only cares about getting the guys in the NBA. All right, not a bad deal to throw at me. I mean, if you want to say that's the downside, I mean, I'm okay with that, but it wasn't true. We're in it 30 minutes before the game. Michael comes in to me, 17 years old, youngest freshman in the country. He says, I want you to start Darius Miller in my place. 30 minutes before, at that time, we were probably 30 and 1. He had started every one of those games. He's walking into me saying, let Darius start in my place. What would you do if you were coaching? Like, what? What, are you sick? Are you hurt? What are you talking about? The backdrop, Darius Miller was a senior. Darius Miller, the year before in the tournament, before Michael and Anthony Davis got there, was the MVP of the conference tournament which we won he was coming off the bench in two games had no points and was playing awful start him in my place coach we need him you're all over him let him start in my place I said you know what he said it's you're the head coach you make the decision right before the game I said we're gonna start Darius in Michael's place Darius took 17 shots that game 
think he made six. We lost that game. Michael got in foul trouble. He had started every game. He was so anxious to get in, he fouled everybody. He fouled a cheerleader, he fouled an official, <laughs> fouled everybody. He had like two points. He had never come off the bench. He was so, his feet were moving. He was going, my, oh, he knocked the boom, that's a foul, you know. We lose the game by five points. But because of him, Darius Miller played out of his mind the rest of the NCAA tournament, and we won the national title. Anthony was the one pick. He was the two pick. We had the 14th pick, the 18th pick, and two kids in the second round got drafted because we won the national title. I'm going to ask you who in this room would give up something that they've earned, they worked for, and they deserved, and give it up to someone because you knew they really needed it more than you did. I got to move in my seat because I'm telling you, if we had a room full of guys and ladies that would say that, we got 16,000 in the next couple of years who are in a room somewhere. Now, hold on. Why would I say you'd have 16,000? Who wouldn't want to work in that environment? It would be like, let's all do this together. Let's be about each other. We can all eat. We all got to share. But I'm going to tell you, it's hard. Oh, is it hard to share? And you know when it's really hard to share? When you don't have much. Then it's really hard to share. Hard to give out your shirt when you only got two. And one got a hole in it. Which one do you give? You know you're giving up the one with the hole. I mean, which one are you going to give? But I'm telling you, at some point in your life, at some point in your life, you're going to switch. And you're going to remember this moment and say, man, did life become easier, more rewarding. Let me, let me tell you for me, when I made that shift, and I can almost remember when it was, Thing, I was overwhelmed with what I was trying to do. I was overwhelmed with everything around. I had the weight of the world on my shoulder. I had employees that I had to do well so that they could eat and their children could go. I, had to, the, I was on edge a little bit. When I shifted, it became easier. I became friendlier. And you know what else? We won way more games. And then they just kept giving me more money. And I'm like, at one point, I'm like, you got to stop. No, come on, keep coming. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but it's funny how when you're not concerned about you, maybe everybody else becomes concerned about you. I don't know how it works. I can just tell you from my experience, hard when you're your age because you're trying to survive. I know the feeling. When I grew up, we got, my dad got paid every Friday. The mortgage was $63 a month. I'm not that old, please. Don't act like I was born in 1915. The house we grew up in cost $13,500. That mortgage was $63 a month. Friday, Thursday, and Wednesday were the tough days. Why were Thursday and Wednesday the tough days? There were no cookies, ice cream, shit. You were eating Spam, you were eating cereal for dinner. Come on now. Thursday was a tough day. Wednesday was shaky. Friday was beautiful. Saturday was beautiful. 
but we all have bad eating habits because of that. If it's there, better eat it, especially if you have siblings. Because someone's going to eat this, and it might as well be me. Did any of you have the cans that were generic? You guys are so young. You don't remember the generic cans, the white cans, that would have green beans, pork and beans, applesauce? Do you remember that? Has anybody here, there's no way anybody here has ever eaten Spam. Anybody eating Spam here? All right. You lived my life then. You understood. All right, this is what I'm going to know. What happens to bologna when you fry it? I just need to know if you know. I think some of you are BSing. You went to private schools. We got some Yale graduates in here. It's bullshit. You never fried bologna. That's what we're having for dinner tonight, by the way. Just so. Hey, you better have bologna every once in a while. Remind yourself. Here's, here's, here's one thing, because you're going through this, and it, it is not going to be, like, life's not on your terms. You want it to be, but fate intervenes. Shit happens. Some of it good. There are some of you in this room that don't appreciate the good blessings that you've been given for no reason. But you'll always remember the crap that happens to you for no reason. So my dad used to say, I grew up in Pittsburgh. Anybody Pittsburgh here? I heard one person, okay. My dad, when you grew up in Pittsburgh, everybody's name ended in a Y. I was Johnny. I was never John. I was Johnny. Johnny, Billy, Ronnie, everything was. So my dad would say, uh, Johnny, it's never quite as good as it seems. And it's never quite as bad as it seems. Keep things in perspective. So as you go through life, look at us. My mother's line, and it was, she was a dreamer. Her thing was, dream beyond your surroundings. This should not hold you back because you were born in this. You dream beyond your surroundings. But my dad's story about keeping th- things in perspective, I mean, he used to say this to us over and over, keep things in perspective. So my sister goes away to college. She goes to Penn State. We have any Penn State graduates? I have yet to meet a Penn State graduate. How about that? She goes away to Penn State. It's the Happy Valley is what they call it. So... We hadn't heard from her in a month and a half. Letter comes to the house. My mother says, Vince, there's a letter from your daughter. You want to read it? So my dad starts reading it. And it says, Dear Mom, Dad, Leah, and John, everything here in the Happy Valley is wonderful. Uh, I'm loving it socially, the academics, my friends. My dorm did burn to the ground. I lost all my belongings, books, and clothes. But don't you worry. I went to Goodwill, I got some clothes, I'm borrowing books, I'm all caught up. I moved into an off-campus apartment. My dad puts the thing, he, and he keeps reading. I have a new roommate, Jim. My dad, the, my Italian dad, had that vein right there. that You could just see it start. Um, my new roommate, Jim, who's quite a fellow, and I, I, you know, he's been out of rehab six months. And I think you're going to grow to love them as I do. 
and, and mom and dad, and I want to apologize to all of you for not inviting you to the wedding. That happened rather quickly. So now this vein is like shooting, right? And I'm like, and it goes on, but mom and dad, I want to congratulate you too on becoming grandparents. And I think you will be the greatest grandparents ever. Then the bottom of the letter says, your loving daughter, Terry, P.S., Dad, all of the above is a lie. I failed chemistry, and I wanted you to keep things in perspective. I was expecting a true story right there. (laughs) What's hilarious? (laughs) Some people have that story in here, by the way. So some were saying, oh, there's another story like that out there. Uh, So, okay, we got 15 more minutes before these guys in my ear tell me we got to wrap up the interview, although I can talk to you for hours. I don't listen to anybody. Every every once in a while, we have to, man. We We got a schedule here. So, okay. so We got some people running this country that at least nobody. I mean, they didn't listen to anybody. But anyway. We're not talking politics. Stop. Not talking politics today. We're having too much fun. So what do you think about Trump's no? I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> I'm kidding with you. So t- tell me this, though. Honestly, I mean, we got, we got 15 more minutes for these guys to learn from you here. What would you say? See, you got all these guys you've seen that have gone from whatever, whatever level they're at, and some of the guys you see say, this guy can't get into the NBA, but his work ethic sucks. What does it truly, like if you've coached Wall, if you've coached Towns, which I believe Towns is going to be a top number one guy in the NBA in the next three years. I really believe Towns is and a Anthony guy. Davis. What, what, is the, what is the difference for a guy that goes to that level with the work ethic, the discipline, the willingness to go out there and do what things the other guys don't want to do? The, the first thing, when you make a decision to go to Kentucky, you look in the pen and there are seven other dogs in there and they want to eat too and you're willing to jump in the pen. That's the first thing. Are you willing to jump in the pen? Do you honestly think you're the only one trying to eat? You're not even the only one trying to eat in this company. But you won't believe this, you're not the only company. You got to be willing to jump in and go. Then the second thing is, are you looking for excuses or solutions? You want an excuse. You know what I tell my guys? When they come, because I'm coaching them hard now, and I'm holding them accountable. They want to leave in a year. You know what my line is? What are you going to do, transfer? You can't transfer. You got to get this right. You're trying to leave in a year. If you're looking for excuses, you'll find them. Oh, yeah. You'll find them. I have an excuse board. So I have 10 excuses. Number one, my girlfriend's been a pain. Number two, I have a cold. Number three, my back hurts. I go, I have 10 of them. And then for the sake of time, just give me the number. Don't give me the whole sentence. You can give me combinations. You can give me one five. What the hell's going on? 
It's a one and a five. All right, I got you. Put it, hey, in your offices, put the excuse board up. Put them up and start writing them down so you can laugh. What the hell's your excuse? Number six. So the guys that have made it for me look for solutions. Are you ready for this one? Your boss here likes to read, I can tell. You had some other people up here that want to read. They want to get new thoughts, new ideas. You know what that means? They have curious minds. The best players that I've coached have curious minds. They have curious minds. Spend time reading every night before you go to bed, even if it's a paragraph. I don't care what you read. Read something to make your mind move. You get stuck in a rut. You're not talking yourself out of it. You've got to have something that you're reading that moves you. And I'm going to say this. Educate yourself, please. Become more educated. Please listen. If there's, I don't know one dumb person that's worth $250 million. I don't know any. I'm not meaning like, I'm, look at my test scores. I was like 900 on the SAT. I wasn't that smart. Curious mind. Wanted to keep learning. I keep reading now because I want that to be able to pass it along to my players. And the third thing, you cannot have anybody enable you. If there's someone around you enabling you, you got to kind of either push them or tell them, don't enable me. Encourage me. Give me ideas. The players that I have that are enabled, not making it. The players that I have that don't want to go in the pen and think they can fool their way to success, you're crazy. I call them delusional. You are delusional, my man. If you're the last one to come in the gym every day and you don't ever want to mix it up, but you're going to make it, really? Think about what you're saying. And then they get enabled by someone else who says you're right, just shoot more balls. You don't have to mix it up. You don't have to be competitive. Just shoot more. Well, that kid's been enabled. He can't make it. But my guys, like I said, curious thinkers, the best guys I had, smart kids that way. Didn't mean in a book sense that they were straight-A students. That's not what I'm saying. But they had a curious mind that they wanted to expand. That would be mine. What, what would you say? What did you do to get the best out of people? You got players that play for different people. You got three different coaches you play, but one guy gets the best out of you. How do you pull that out of them? One, everything you're going to do is about relationships, folks. That's all relationships. How do you create a good relationship? Trust. You don't bullshit. You tell the truth. If you bullshit, you're going to have no trust. Do you want to work for somebody or be around somebody you can't trust? If he's at the water cooler, will you go to the water cooler? No, you'll go the other way till he leaves or she leaves. Trust. It all starts there. Second thing is, if these guys know I'm more about them than I am about me and their success, I can coach them. I can be aggressive, just like your own family, your mother, who could say things and do things to you that no one else could. And you know what? You still loved her. And if anybody else said the things that your mother said to you, you'd want to punch them. But your mother says them, 
And you know you have to take stock in what she's saying because she loves you. So if you're going to get something out of somebody, that relationship has to start with trust. Undersell, over-deliver. Be about them. Let them know they care. Do you know the people you work with, how many sisters or brothers they have? Everybody's head went down. Do you know if they have children, what their birth date is, their children's birthday? How do you really care about one another if you really don't know some of those important things in the other person's life? If something is happening, how, how do you, there's got to be a trust and a caring, and it can't be, it's got to be sincere. We all know when someone's trying to BS us. For me, my players say, the thing they like about me is I keep it real. Unless I keep it real with them, then they don't like it so much. Keep it real. Well, I'm going to keep it real. Not with me, with him. But I would say to get it out of people. And then, as a leader, my players are going to listen to what I say. They're going to do what I ask them to do because they know I'm about them. You know what I worry about every year? I'm worried about this season. Am I telling them the right things? I'm not talking morally. I'm not talking ethically. Am I telling them, my team every year, could you imagine your team changing every year? Like the group, your, your group. And all of a sudden there's nine new people. And then next year there's eight new people. And next year there's nine new people. That's what I deal with. So, well, we're going to go at this this way. What if that's not the best way with this group? What if there's another way of doing it that's better? i got to figure that out on the run. So my thing is, whatever we're telling them, let's hope we're right. And if we're wrong, pivot right away. Fail fast and run to something else. I'm not stuck on one way of doing something. I don't care. It's not about Cal Ball. you got to play a certain way. I don't care how we play. I just want to win. So however we got to play, we're playing. If they say, well, he just has really good players, that's the only reason they win. He can't coach. Why am I okay when they say that? We win most of the games. Because basically you're saying your players are really good, and that's the only reason you win. Then I did my job. I'm promoting my players, and they're really good, and I agree with you. And here's the other thing. If anybody's saying anything about some of you guys in here, let me give you the one I use all the time. They're saying, you're not this, you're not that, you're not this, you're that, this guy, that. Whatever you say I am, I agree. Can we move on? Whatever you want to say I am, all right, I am. Let's move on. (laughs) Ah, that drives them nuts. Final thoughts. Final thoughts you're leaving here. Uh, What would you want everybody to hear be thinking about as leaving this event to, for them, you know, everybody's having their own challenges. Some are married kids, some are single, some are here at their first event, some have been here for a while, some are making money, some are comfortable, some made 70 grand last couple weeks and, you know, they're sitting there saying, this is exciting stuff, how can I get somebody to be thinking bigger? But uh, what final thoughts would you give to some people start thinking about how they can take their minds to a whole different level to be thinking bigger than what they currently have right now in their lives? There's, I, I want to 
finish, I'll say this, but I want to finish with one other thing. Here, here's what I tell you. Don't you ever be embarrassed about taking what you've been given, what God has given you, and taking that thing to another level, because that's what you're supposed to do. Now, the question becomes what your why is. So there's an end of it that you become this, everything you're supposed to be, and we're all different. There are some of you that can come up here and speak and do stuff. There are others that your strength is in another area. Run with that strength. Some of you are going to be more reserved. There's nothing, we're all different. I sit up here and do it this way. You know what? There are other coaches that are totally different with, than I am, and they can't beat me. But they're totally different. What? What happened? What happened? But they're totally different and have just as, not just, almost as much success as I have. But they're totally different. So don't be embarrassed about wanting to be special. Don't be embarrassed about saying, I want to be a millionaire someday. Don't be embarrassed about saying, you know what? I want to take care of my whole family, and I want to take care of my family's family. I'm trying to take care of my family's family's family. That's what I'm trying to do. So I'm not embarrassed about it. I know I'm not taking it with me. I'm never turning it down when they try to give me more. I'm not selfish with it. I share. But I'm going to try to keep doing what I'm doing because the more I do, the more people I can help and the more impact I can have. That's what I'm going to do. And I would challenge you to do the same. Don't let anybody act like, oh, you know, who does he think he is or who does she think she is? And she... Whatever you think I am, I agree. Can we move on? Lastly, look, I've done, I probably do 25 of these, 30 of these a year, okay? I was so excited when Patrick said we're going to have a sit down. So much easier and so much more fun. I don't know why people don't do more of these. Because he gets from me exactly what he wants to give to you. Versus me saying it, and maybe it hits, maybe it doesn't. But I walked in the room. First of all, I heard you outside. All the doors were locked. Like, you can't leave when you come in here, just so you know. No, they're, they're like chained on the other side. So I'm like, when you come in, you're here, okay? I couldn't get in. I heard everything. I'm hearing the screaming. I finally come in, and this is what the American dream is about, You, if you're really about this country and opportunity, you grow your business, you grow your own business, you grow your team's business, you grow this company's business so that more people can share in the American dream. That's what this is. Look, if you try to take away from a business the success, you're not getting it. They got to have success so that we can all have success. And then you got to count on people that are running these organizations that are about people, giving people an opportunity and hope that it's not about what they can gather and take. These aren't the robber barons from 1920s. This is about how do we do this and do this together. We are in the greatest country in the world. And close. You, my friend, were born at the right time.
If you were born 40 years ago, life would be much different for you. Think about what I'm saying. And however you want this world and country to be, you make it and you start with you. So whatever you're going to do, you start with you. And you know what? There are no excuses. There are only solutions. There are all setbacks. I just, I'm, I'm, I just finished a book. Um, oh, I'm forgetting the name, adversity. I will get you the name and you can get it to your people. It talks about adversity. It, 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 it's good. It's the only thing you, it makes you understand you're growing. There's things going to come at you. You're going to have some of the worst things happen in your life. I have. He, it just, it's life. But at the end of the day, it's the next step forward, the next step forward. How many people can I help? As I'm climbing the ladder, now I'm telling you, when you're on the first rung, it's really hard to pick up the next person. You got to climb the ladder, man. You got to have some success. You got to bring some things in. You got to bring it to the table. You're going to be at the top rung and you're going to say, hurry up, get up here. Next, come on, let's go. And you know what? You have a smile on your face. You'll have a, a bounce to your step. You're going to have a long life. You're going to have enjoyment. And you know what? When we're all said and done and we're done in this earth, it's the impact you've had on other people. But you've got to impact yourself first. Then you worry about who am I helping? Get it right. I'm, so, I'm telling you, I learned. This was a great experience for me. Our breakfast and, and our talk this morning because all I wanted to know is tell me about this. Give me it. I want to meet some of the young people. He's telling me there's some, the talented young people. I met some of the other guys. He was giving me names. And how did you get this going? You guys are a part of something special. Take advantage. No excuse. I don't want to hear your excuse. You want mine? I have a board. I'll give you 10. You can use any of them. Just give me the number. Don't give me the whole sentence. I don't have time. But I appreciate being here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star. Write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bidavid. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.